Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground. Coming to you live from my office slash podcast studio. It's really interesting because you used to have a desk in here and everything, and now that desk is gone, and now we got like two tables. But I got cool, cool equipment, which is better than what I used to have, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, and today I have with me some special people. I'll let you define that if you want, what, you, what I mean by that. John Tynan. You want me to divine, <laughs> define what it means to be special? John and Patty Tynan. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. No, you guys are special people. I mean, come on. I love you, John. I love you too, man. Thanks. Now that we've gotten past that, you know, the important stuff, get the important stuff out of the way. We'll move on. No, listen, I have the Titans here for a reason is because they are the Mission Indie Trip Leaders this year. You guys excited about that? They are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be now. You're on a podcast talking about it. Yeah, so. now it's official. We have to go. That's right. You And we are so glad they are the leaders, that's for sure, because that means I don't have to be. No, I don't. No, <laughs> no it's... Mission Indy is, uh, is, is, is a great thing, and we're going to talk about that more in detail in a little bit. But won't you t- people don't really know you, obviously. We're just you know speaking out in the airwaves here to uh, a lot of New Hope people. That's what this podcast is all about. It's kind of getting you know, behind the scenes, getting to understand no people that go to New Hope Church. But how long have you guys been coming here? Um, about four years, I think. Four years. Yeah. So that's like a whole term. Like, you know, presidential term. Yeah, we, we may not be reelected. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awful if, you had, you know, for church membership, you had to come up every four years yeah. to decide whether or not you should be so like getting, there. getting voted off the island? Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think there's something there. I, I might start a new church with with some of those uh, some of those ideas in place. But anyway, uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, you guys. Um, well, uh, John and I have been married for just about twenty years. We have three daughters. Wow, twenty years. Mm-hmm. Three daughters. Uh, Ella is a senior. We have a sophomore, Anna, and an eighth grader, Sarah. Awesome. Girls. All, all girls. All girls. John, no guys? No guys. You're the only guy Dog. in the house. I dogs. live in a Two house boy dogs. full of teenage <laughs> girls, and I'm fairly certain I've done nothing to deserve that. <laughs> what is, what's Not one of the biggest challenges for just being surrounded by women all the time? I don't. I don't know. I'm just so used to it now. It just, <laughs> I, it's just that's just my reality. It's just so, your reality. Yeah. It's what you're used to. I don't know if I could handle having boys at this point. I'm just used to having girls around. Yeah. If you so. threw a son in the mix, what would happen? I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that ship has sailed. So. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. Yeah. No, our girls. Our girls are great. I don't know, man. I've read some stuff in the Bible. You know about people getting older and not thinking they're going to have kids, and I've heard it. Any. I've heard it before. Anyway. Uh, it's nothing's impossible. <laughs> nothing's impossible with God, but you're just guessing. You're just, Let's just praying say, and hoping that God yeah. does not want to go there. Exactly. Let's say improbable. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So that's awesome. So you guys are from Shelbyville. Yep. Which is where our new campus is getting ready to start. Yes. May 1st. And yes. You guys are ex- pumped about that. Yes, we are excited we are. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be great for the community. I know there's a lot of a lot of people there that are excited about it, so we're anxious to see what what happens. Now, when it was a bowling alley, did you ever guys you guys bowl there? Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. So it was kind of weird. It is a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. The bowling alley sign is still up. Yeah, it so, is. I noticed yeah. that the other day. Still so up. We may have people show up 
Sunday morning with their bowling shoes. Ball and shoes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I've also often joked with people about how many slogans are, are there right there for the taking. You know, like, don't strike it on your own. You need God. Yeah. I mean, just... He's, Jesus spared your life. You know, I mean, just get out, get out of the gutter. Get out of the gutter. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, don't turn down the wrong lane. Yeah. You know, I just there's just yeah, it just goes on and on and on and on. But anyway, well, uh, yeah, it's exciting. And we're uh, you guys. I'm glad you guys are going to be a part of that. Now, I'm just kind of curious. When did you? How long have you guys been Christians? I mean, since you've been following following Jesus. Well, we both we both grew up in the church. We've been attending church our whole lives and i think i could probably speak for both of us when i say and this this is something we heard at a youth training a couple years ago the the concept of uh trying to get our kids to the point where they're owning their faith rather than renting it Mm. and i feel like that's Mm. probably was a lot of our that really resonated with us because that was a lot of our experience growing up is it's just you know church was church was just it's an obligation it's what you do Mm. and it didn't necessarily um impact you know anything that went on in the rest of our lives and so you were kind of renting absolutely we were Mm -hmm. absolutely we were so i don't know if i don't know if we can even pinpoint the actual time when that changed it might have been when we started having kids and in a way we definitely we definitely grew then and and um uh, it was more it was more when we came here that we really i felt connected way more when, once we started coming here. Okay. Um, felt like we were actually learning and actually mm-hmm. wanting to follow Christ. We believed we were believers, but we weren't really following him, I don't think. Well, I tell you, I think that's so true in most of our lives, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it's not like um, some people have some incredible testimony type stories that really are night to day, you know, instantly. Well, most of us, it's more gradual and, you know, more of a progression the way God kind of works on us. And Right. We definitely fit that. Yeah. I think, I think we were just, I don't really want to say asleep. We just, we just needed, we needed this. Well, fantastic. So I, I guess, uh, oh, I love, and I love asking this, what of people, so if you don't mind me asking, what is it about Jesus you just really, really love? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I love these podcasts because that's what it's all about. Forgiveness. Awesome. Now, is that his forgiveness for you or your forgiveness for other people or both, all of it? What's well, I, I, I think it's probably how one one kind of leads to the other. Mm. And you see all the things we've been forgiven of. If we're truly aware of that, then it just makes it so much easier to extend that forgiveness to other people well, and so i just true, think the yeah. complete the complete acceptance no matter no matter where you're at in your life jesus is there for you that's awesome that's no that's really well put i think it's uh it is amazing and i, I know this is a um, a common phrase but it's a his grace really is amazing i mean when you think about our lives and where we've been and what we've done and the fact that he has been with us every step of the way and still forgives us, still gives us things we don't deserve, you know, really is, really is amazing. Well, I, I appreciate your guys' uh, friendship, and I appreciate the fact that uh, you you love Jesus, no doubt about it. I know that in our conversations. So let's talk about Mission Indy for a little bit. 
Mission Indy is, uh, let's, in fact, instead of me explaining it, let's, I want to let you explain it. What is Mission Indy? Well, I would say, what, about three years ago, we were asking ourselves that same question. What is it? And so we signed up for it with our entire family, really having absolutely no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Um, and it just has turned out to be just a really, just a truly amazing experience for us and for our family. But basically the trip itself is, you know, we take a group of, you know, close to 40 people from the church and we head over to Indianapolis and we stay in a church there. And during the week they send us out in work groups to go just to go do some work throughout the community. It could be, you know, it could be as simple as clearing brush. It could be, you know, doing some demolition work on houses. It could be painting. And uh, I know there've been times when we've had groups that have gone and, and run a vacation Bible school um, at a center there. Um, so it could be a variety of different things, but it's just a chance to get get away for a week where we can focus our entire time on serving other people and uh, growing closer to God. And then throughout the week, they give us, uh, you know, they have prepared devotional material that we get to work through, and we have worship every night and just, you know, small group time where we can sit down and kind of, you know, debrief about what we've experienced throughout the day. And it's just really is a, it truly is an amazing experience. So the work is done throughout different parts of the city, Indianapolis. Yes. Yep. Some of what you would consider inner city Indianapolis, most of it. Most of it, yes. So I'm kind of curious as to why do you think an experience in the inner city of Indianapolis is important for, you know, us coming out of Effingham, Illinois, and New Hope Church? Well, I think that uh, it's important for us to see um, conditions that other people are living in around us. I mean, we tend to, and I know we have plenty of needs around us, plenty of people that are uh, probably living well beneath the way we live, but we but we're not exposed to it. Mm. And I think just getting there and and having that awareness of the conditions that that people live in on a daily basis. I mean, we get to come in for a week and then we get to go home. Um, and it's just, it's just that reminder that, uh, people not just, not just a couple hours away in Indianapolis, but throughout the world live in conditions that we could never even imagine living in. And I just think that just makes us appreciate what we have a lot more and hopefully gets us to the point where, um, you know, we want to take what we have and, and, and use it, uh, to help other people. Even around, around here. I also think it kind of opens our eyes to more local things. Mm. Once we've seen it to that uh, extreme it, um, on the indie trip, then we kind of notice more things around us. I think that's great. Now, you've had girls go with you, your girls. Yes. On the trips. Yes. So how, how has that impacted them, and why do you think it might be good for families to consider Oh, yes. Going um, together. So our, our girls specifically got very close with the other kids that went, and their lives have changed <laughs> completely from from their experiences there. Um, and they've just grown in their faith so much. The, it's It's been amazing. If you go back to what we were talking about with the whole idea of renting versus owning your faith, I mean, we've just seen so much growth in our own kids not, you know, through Mission India and other opportunities that that they've had, where they just they're just really grabbing hold of it and they're taking ownership of That's it, awesome, and they're not yeah. just relying on us to provide that spiritual aspect. And and it's just, I mean, they're way further along in their walk than what we were at 
you know, 14, 15 years old. It's incredible. Well, you mentioned the opportunity within Mission Indy, not just to, not just to work during the day, but every night getting together for worship and yeah, absolutely. And just, I, I think most of the adults that have gone on the trip, one of the, one of the things that they comment, comment on the most is just, you know, watching these kids just build each other up and support each other and just all the, the, the bond that they form throughout the week. It's just, it, it really is special. Well, and then, and then obviously, you know, it's great that we have that week where that's all that we focus on. But then the idea is to, to, to bring it back home with us, you know, be, be aware of the opportunities that are around us where we can, where we can serve people that need us. That's awesome. Now, John and Patty are the trip leaders. Mission Indy is an action organization uh, in inner city Indianapolis. And so uh, what they're talking about is when we go there on the trip, that they're the ones that are kind of putting us up and helping us help you get to where you need to go and, and kind of, you know, the organizers behind everything. And they work there all year round. Whereas, you know, we're just coming in in the summertime. And uh, let's talk about some details of the trip. So pe- people are, might be interested in, in the, hey, I want, I'm thinking I might want to go. So how do, how do we do that? So uh, what are the dates? And okay. July, July 11th. 11th? <laughs> yes. It's the Sunday well, after you, the 4th of you July. You would think that we would know that detail. <laughs> That's okay. It's um, July 10th through the oh, 16th. Excuse okay. me. Yes. Okay. So technically, yes, it is the 11th. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when yeah. I, when I put you on the spot, man, I really put you on the spot, don't I? So yeah, yeah we'll leave on a Sunday afternoon after church, after uh-huh. church and be back, uh, by Saturday, noon yes. the following Saturday. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Back yeah. before noon on that Saturday. And it's the 10th through the 16th. Now we are going to start registrations May 1st. <clears throat> and so that'll be open online uh, to anybody at New Hope Church. And we'll have more details out there to you as far as where exactly to sign up, but it's a hundred dollar deposit, but the trip is, uh, total. It's really a total of three hundred and sixty dollars per person to go, but the church actually pays for you to, if you want to go. Our church actually kicks in a hundred dollars, and uh, so it makes it two sixty per person. But then we also have a way a you know, hundred dollar deposit in May when you first sign up and register. But then we also have a, a way to knock down that other hundred and sixty uh, that you may you may not even you need to owe that much. How do we do that? So that will be on uh, June 26th. We will be hosting, uh, is it Sturkey's Burger Barn? Is that is that the current name? Bash, Burger Bash. Burger Bash, I'm yeah. so sorry. No, I wanted uh, Barn, and they, I don't know why, but they want to change it. So, so Sturkey's Burger Bash will be at 180 on. I want to have live cows and everything out there. Uh, but they changed, they didn't want the barn. Farm idea, to table. Bash. Yeah. Farm to table. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll be serving uh, hamburgers, hot dogs, uh, chips, the best milkshakes in town. Mm -hmm. So the people Uh that are going on the trip will will be there and help um, serve everybody that comes. That's awesome. So whether you're going on the trip or not, that day after church, just come on over to 180 and and um, you're going to go to a restaurant anyway. That's right. Get a good meal. Yeah, and give the money to something good. And you get to hang out with us in the process. Yeah. There you go. That's that's the most important thing. And it's donations only. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't have it, you know, it's it's, it's more about uh, just giving whatever you can. I think it helps, too, that all of us that are going on the trip, then it just kind of starts our uh, bonding. You know, it helps us all get to know each other, and um, it's just a fun time. You bet. And I'm sure a lot of the, the kids that will be there serving will be ones who have gone on the trip in the past. So if anybody has any 
specific questions. They can talk to some of those kids and just hear maybe about their unique experiences and, and what the trip has, has meant to them as well. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot one more time before we quit. And all I want to know is this. I need to hear a pitch to people. What's your be- best pitch you can give to somebody who's on the fence thinking about maybe, maybe they might go, maybe they won't? Well, I would say that for us specifically, we were sort of on the fence as well when we when we first signed up, um, and we have never regretted it for one second. And mm-hmm. I would say very seldom does a day go by in our household when something from that from one of the trips doesn't come up in conversation. Wow. Um, it's just been, it's been a constant for us and it's been just a, just a huge, huge blessing to our family. And I know it would be for anyone else. Wow. What an impact. We'll leave it right there. Thanks, John. Sounds Thanks, good. Patty. Yep, You bet. Thanks for having us. Hey, if you're interested in maybe attending the mission indie trip, being a part of our team that goes out here from new hope church, the trip is July 10th to the 16th of 2022. The cost is $260 per person, the $100 deposit that's coming up, and signups begin in May. So be looking for that sign up. If you have any questions, you can email me if you want. Darren, D-A-R-I-N, Hanson, H-A-N-S-E-N, at newhopechurch.cc. But we would love to get you on board if you want to join. Hey, stay tuned. We've got another interview coming up with our spotlight feature. Hey, welcome to Spotlight. Spotlight's a feature we have here at New Hope Underground where we get a chance to talk to somebody in the church, one of our staff members, or somebody in our church like a volunteer. And today is Marion Werfel. Hi, Marion. Hi, dear. How are you? <laughs> hey, how are you doing? I think I'm doing all right. Nobody's long, told me otherwise. Long day? Not as long as most. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Hey, before we get into uh, why exactly Marion's here and we start uh, talking it up a little bit, let's t- tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been here at New Hope? Mm, probably three to four years, I think. Okay. And tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I mean, <clears throat> my wife Lisa and I, we've got four grown children and three grandchildren. And uh, uh, she works as a bank teller. And my kids are all... Well, they're all, they support themselves, so I can't complain unless they've done something right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's good. They, uh, you kind of want them to fly out of the nest. Oh, yeah. Fly on their yeah, own, you know. Yeah, no, I got two daughters that are nurses, and I got a, and my other daughter's a, a, a software, not sure how to explain it, but she. Engineer? Software engineer? No, she, yeah. No, she uh, sorts out problems for people when they. Oh, yeah. When they're having issues with their billing software. And well, that's they great. They call her up and. And she actually, she used to just answer the phones and now she like, she's moved up where she sets up appointments for the more complicated ones. that might take a while on the phone to sort out. I got you. Well, that's great. So, and then my son's, uh, he graduated with his degree in exercise science and now he's working as a, a, uh, campus, a college campus missionary. That's awesome. So now what college campus is he on? He is currently at Colorado state university in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and he's planning on going to, uh, college campus in Pueblo, Colorado this fall. So, well, that's great. He's, he's real enthusiastic. So, is he working with an organization? Yeah, it's uh, called. Uh, uh, is it Campus Crusade for Christ? No, or? it's a uh, it's a it's like a, a fraternity that's through the Assemblies of God. It's called uh, uh, Chi Alpha. Okay, fantastic. Well, that's great. That's great news. 
I know you told me a little bit about it, so it's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for being on the show. And we're just going to have a little talk. Now, the reason I asked Marine to come in is because he has an interesting occupation. Why don't you tell everybody what exactly is your you know, title or occupation? <clears throat> well, my title is registered nurse, and I work with home health and hospice. But uh, those are two very, well, they're both nursing. They're, they're quite different as, as far as how the care is delivered because the, the home health, you're basically doing regular nursing care, but you're doing it in the home. But um, with the, with the hospice, you're, you're dealing with, of course, nursing's, their philosophy is, is uh, they like to look at a, a individual holistically, which is to incorporate mm -hmm. everything about them, not just, you know, their physical, you know, what are their labs and so on and so forth. Sure. And uh, the thing about hospice is it's, it's uh, we focus on non-invasive uh, medical strategies. The reason being is we want to provide the, the patient with as much dignity as possible because, unfortunately, the 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 a common side effect of modern medicine is it tends to strip that away from a person until they feel like they're just a, a lab specimen. And when they've been sick for a long time, they find they're going to the doctor three, four, five times a week, and they're not mm. getting any better, and they get very frustrated. And honestly, a lot of them just get tired of being sick and tired. And then well, sure. when they come to a realization that there's, regardless of what they do or how hard they try, uh, it may or may not even prolong their life, and it's certainly detrimental to their quality of life. And yeah. at that point, they have a choice of they can either continue down that path of pursuing frequent and expensive treatment with declining benefit, or they can elect hospice, in which case we don't, we're not in, our goal is not to fix anything. We're just going to try and make them comfortable and allow them to stay home. They don't have to go to doctor's visits. They don't have to have labs drawn. They don't have to have images. And they can just be surrounded by the people that care about them. Sure. And, uh, and, and make the most of the time they have left. You bet. Now, how long have you been an RN? I've been an RN for 16 years. And how long have you spent in hospice in particular? Hospice specifically, I've been working in it for three years. Three years, okay. Yeah. So over the course of three years, I mean, you've been basically by the bedside of a lot of people who are in their last hours. But it's a privilege. Yeah. You know, to be invited into that environment. You bet. Um, you know, it's everybody's, everybody has a story. And uh, to to get, you know, whenever you pick up a book, the part you're most interested in the book is the end of the story. And, and I have the privilege of being a witness to the end of so many stories of people's lives. I've, uh, it's just, it, it's humbling, honestly, to be around them. And, you know, and of course they're terribly grateful. And I'm like, you know, as a nurse, you feel like you've, well, all, I did, all they did was die. I failed, you know, but you didn't mm -hmm. fail because what you did was you made a difference in the quality of their life and you enabled closure for a lot of family members and uh, enable people to care for their own, which tends to kind of fall to the wayside in today's culture. You bet. Now, I think what I find fantastic about this is the fact, I mean, this is ministry for you. I mean, oh, absolutely. coming alongside of people. I think sometimes I, I do, I see it yeah. as a privilege and, and uh, there's just so much, about it that you know i mean granted there's you know you get deathbed conversions and stuff and and that's fine but um a lot of times the people that are left behind they need somebody to pray with and encourage them because there's you're always trying to encourage them because i mean right people they don't yeah. they well and they don't 
they don't know anything medical. They're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. I said, trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm not the dullest hoe in the shed, but I'm not this, but I'm not, it's, it's teachable. You can do this. Right. And, and, uh, and, and I can tell when they're doing a good job, you know, if their skin, if their skin remains intact, if, if they've got good pain control, if they're having regular bowel movements, those aren't things that you, that are, that just happen. That it takes, it takes somebody's attention to keep that going on. And we don't right, have so you're the, encouraging not only the people that are in bed, but their family and the people oh, that absolutely. around them. Yeah. So there's a lot of dynamics that are playing. It, yeah. And it's, it, it's a constant thing. And it's always a, it's always a very often a highly emotional atmosphere. Well, I definitely have some questions for you, but before I, before I ask that, I, I think some, I think if you're listening, you know, here, you're just tuning in the new hope underground and, Hey, Marion's on, and and then we get into the subject of death and dying. It can mm-hmm. be, you know, well, well, this is kind of morbid, but it's not morbid at all. But part really, of living is dying. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's something that we that we all are going have experienced or going to experience, right. and and understand. You know, God, you know, if Jesus doesn't, you know, come back and take us alive, but true. <laughs> but I, as Christians, how important it is uh, to be able to uh, minister to people during this time. Absolutely. At the end of their life is amazing. And like you said, it's a privilege. So what are, I don't know what, I guess um, I'm just going to kind of open it up this way. I would just love to hear, just give me one, one or two stories just stick out in your mind that just, for whatever reason, I'm going to let you interpret it the way you want to interpret that. For whatever reason, one or two stories that stick out in your mind that really um, moved you or, or you just felt like, wow, that was, that was incredible. Uh, I had this patient, uh, she was very highly educated, but because of that, she had a lot of resistance to anything we tried to teach her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and until she progressed to the point, we call it transitioning to where she no longer had any control over what meds she took or, um, and we were finally able to give her some medication to relieve her suffering, her pain and her anxiety. Um, when we first started that, she slept for almost two days straight. Wow. But she had literally made herself miserable for months because she, I mean, she would lay awake at night and moan and carry on. And her daughter actually slept on another floor and she could hear her just carry, going on like that. And, mm. and, uh, and sadly it, it caused a lot of long-term bitterness within the family. And, and that was tragic. Um, we, so but, not, none of those stories are that happy. I mean, that's for sure. No, no. I mean, there's, and a lot of it is your, you know, a lot of it is an attitude. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's difficult for people to give up their independence. And, mm-hmm. but you, you know, you have to recognize that every time you go in that, you know, it's like I tell them, I said, you don't get to pick your nurse. So I'm going to try and be as polite and respectful as I can. If you feel like I, you know, there's something I need to change, please tell me. Cause you know, this is not for me. This is for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what, what do you, how do you or or do you? I'm guessing you have the opportunity to you know what do you say situations where people are really anxious you know really well scared I just just I try to give them information because I mean everybody dies there's not a way out you know mm-hmm. that's the, I mean that's the only you know and. Uh, you just explain to them that, you know, so many times they'll want to like feed somebody that's dying and or they want to give them a drink or, and they don't understand that their body is 
changing in such a way that they don't need nutrition. They don't need, it's normal for them to dehydrate and, 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 and they don't feel the pain of being hungry like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they'll tell you that if they're aware, they'll say, I don't even feel that, you know, so I don't know why they're getting so anxious about it. And, and granted, this is for their family members. This is often the first time they've ever been through this. And yeah, I see it every day, but that doesn't mean that it's still their first time. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like watching a car wreck, you know, it's like, oh, this is horrible. But, you know, when I worked ambulance, you just, you could go to a car wreck and then you're like, well, you get kind of callous about that. I said, well, mm-hmm. I don't mean to be callous. I mean, I'm, I'm not there because I got nothing better to do. Right. You know, I'm, right. I just want to help. And, and that's really my attitude is I just want to help. And, uh. And I, I find this is a rich opportunity to be of assistance to people. Um, what are some common, is there, is there a common thread or common things that happen when people, when you kind of, can you sense, okay, this is it right at the end? Is there, well, there any, anything granted, I'm a, you know, I'm a clinician, so yeah. I'm looking for certain signs and indicators. Sure. Um, because... You know, so many times we'll admit them to hospice and almost everybody has the same question. It is so common that I just call it the crystal ball question because there's no way you can see that. Right. But they say, well, how long do you think they have? I said, well, um, you know, there's really only one person has that answer. And unless you can get it out of him, I don't know that I have it. <laughs> right. But I can, right. I can, there'll be certain things that, you know, like some disease processes are pretty predictable. <clears throat> For example, uh, liver or dialysis. You've taken them off dialysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll usually have a good week and then they'll become more lethargic toward the beginning of the second week. And then they kind of just go into a, like a, a comatose state for probably the last four or five days. And then they pass. And, and that's very, I mean, you can almost count the day. It's, it's that predictable. Whereas you might have something like say somebody with CHF or COPD, they may linger for years. Mm. Uh, we had a CHF patient. Oh, she's a sweet lady. She loved pie. I made her a pie for her birthday every <laughs> year. We had her for three years. She gets so excited. She was in her 90s. And uh, she, um, but she had, she was sent home on hospice with CHF and she went home and had bacon and oatmeal every morning for breakfast <laughs> for three years. And mm-hmm. of course, that's the last thing a doctor would recommend, not right. salt, salty bacon. And, right. You know, but <laughs> she seemed to thrive on it. She did great right up till. Yeah, about the last, oh, probably six weeks before we really saw her start to decline. And you said there was some commonality. Sometimes people will actually kind of rally a little bit right before. Oh, the a end. lucid interval. Yeah, yeah. that's that's well, describe that lucid interval. Well, um, you know, a lot of times, and it's not uncommon. You may see them lay there in a comatose state for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and then sometimes. And I don't know what triggers it. It's not predictable. Oftentimes it might be a person or an environment that they just want to make one last contact with. Mm-hmm. But they may not be aware of it, and the ones around them may not either. And uh, they'll uh, they'll just, they might, you know, just lay in there, haven't heard a word, haven't eaten nothing or drank anything for days, and they'll just wake up and engage like they're fine again, mm. but just for a little bit. You know, usually it, talking to people and yeah, yeah, it's just like they were never gone, and uh, you'll see that for a little bit, and then usually realize it's really close because um, that's uh, really 
Oh, absolutely. So they're acting acting closer to normal, and then... Oh, yeah, they're nearly completely normal. I mean, obviously, mm. they're not strong enough to get out of bed. They've been in bed for weeks, so they're right. really weak. But, right, right. Um, but no, mentally, they're just sharp as a tack. You'd never... Never guess that they you wonder if that's basically. A, you wonder if that's a gift from God, you know, to be I able think, to I think converse every, with some of your family. I really think every breath, every heartbeat, is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, because you, you, you know, you think about it. If you're suffocating, what would you give for another breath? Mm-hmm. If your heart stops, what would you give for one more heartbeat? You know, you there, there's not a price that you wouldn't pay. You bet. And. And, and so many of these people, you know, and sometimes there's not a lucid interval and mm-hmm. families are frustrated. Like, well, how come mm-hmm. they never came around? I'm like, well, they were unfortunately just that sick. Right. I mean, that's the reality of it. Helping people through that reality. What, um, one thing I wanted to ask was this. We hear a lot of, you know, I've heard a lot of stories anyway, mm-hmm. uh, especially as people who are believers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where they will uh, see things or hear things right before they and I really, past. I really, you know, I, I and, know and there's a lot of debate about that. I have yeah. seen it, and it's, you no, descri- I don't have an explanation. Can you I mean, describe a couple heard, things you've seen? You know, they talk about, like, the, 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 it's common for them to see people that have passed. They'll be like, well, I mm-hmm. just saw my mom and dad, and this person's nearly 100 years old. Obviously, they haven't seen their mom and dad in a, a two to three decades at least. And, uh. And, well, no, they were just here. I was just talking to them. And they can describe them just as clear as the pictures on the bedside stand, just like you're looking at them. Wow, yeah. And, and you're, you're, well, I don't know how that's possible. But, you don't, you know, it, you don't argue with confused people because it's, well, it's cruel for one thing. You know, they, they don't realize they're confused, and all you're doing is causing them to be anxious and fearful. Um, so all you can really do is support them. And, and then I, it's not uncommon for people that are, close to they're getting close to death to just gaze at something like at the ceiling or on a wall or something as if there's something there and they're watching it mm. and, and and you don't know what it is but but the way they're focused on it i mean you can break their gaze but they'll just look right back at it like mm. there's definitely something there that they're watching and i see that commonly with you know when they get toward like in the last 24 hours have you ever heard anybody say anything that as if they're, I don't know, speaking to Jesus or speaking, you know. I, I have, yeah. Yeah. I find that, find that fascinating because we don't. Yeah, they're like. Obviously, we don't know what the so, transition is like. Oh, yeah. They're like, they're like, they're beckoning to them. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the patients won't want to go until the family gives them permission to go. Mm. It's like. You have our permission to go. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. I've heard, yeah. and I've I seen mean, them people hang that on I've, until they get that release, and then usually yeah. once that, once they get that consent, or they'll hang on. We had a guy that, uh, oh, he had not eaten or drank anything in over two weeks, and he wasn't a very big guy. He had cancer, and it just really chewed him up. Mm. And uh, and they said, well, he's got this one grandson out of state, and. He's going to try and get here before he passes. And uh, they told us when he left, oh, there's no way. This guy's not going to last, you know, four or five more days. But the, the kid made it home, and no sooner, it wasn't 10 minutes for, after he got there, and uh, the gentleman passed. My goodness. And you just. As if, as if they know, you know, or just. I, I think they do. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, obviously, they can't tell us, but I think they do have an awareness that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. We don't have a way of assessing you know evaluating it 
Now, Marine, but I think a, there's a lot of things yeah. that go on that we don't see that are that they see. No, it makes sense. Uh, Marion, as a believer, <clears throat> I mean, how do you do you get a chance to kind of, uh, I don't know, speak on behalf of the gospel or, you know, opportunity? Oh, absolutely. To, yeah. yeah. I always, you know, I mean, that's part of our initial assessment. Do you go to a church? What, you know, what do you believe? And we try to approach them respectfully from that perspective. Obviously, if, you know, if they don't necessarily coincide with what I'm accustomed to, I don't try to. Right. I try to encourage them to go, you know, if this is something, you, you know, you're, then you need to take, you need to take steps to make sure you're right with that. What are people, I mean, people that you do get a chance to talk to that are mm-hmm. in their last hours, what kind of response do you usually kind of get? They're usually very receptive, yeah. like I know. And, uh, and, um, a lot of times they'll, they'll have, you know, like, for instance, now we have a hospice chaplain that can come out. Of course, they're non-denominational, but um, <clears throat> they, uh, they'll they come and meet with the families. Or a lot of times, sometimes we'll have where their local pastor will actually come and round on them, you know, two to three times a week, which mm. I know as busy as pastors are, I think that's incredible. I always tell them, I said, thank you so much for making the time. I said, I don't, you may not realize how important this is, but this patient does and his family does. Mm-hmm. And and I know you're busy. They may not, but I, I know it's a busy job, and uh, <clears throat> so I always thank them. But I do see. I think whenever a local pastor can come see him, I think it's yeah. more reinforcing, more reassuring to them than. But I mean, they're still grateful if you know if they if they've drifted away or not really had a, a like a faith life per se. Um, I see. They because that's the thing about you know when when your when your life is literally down to weeks and days and hours, a lot of the things that don't matter in life just just they're gone. They don't mm. they don't uh, you know they don't worry about did the cat get fed or did you did you take out the trash or you know in 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 a way to to compare that it's kind of like Jesus told told us when he was calling his apostles he says let the dead bury the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I get that, and though I kind of understand what he meant by he didn't mean the people that were burying the dead were dead. The people that were spiritually dead, let them deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have mm-hmm. work to do, yeah. and, and and that makes sense. Yeah, you know, when you look at it in in the final hours, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Let me ask this question. It may sound uh, kind of uh, this is what it interests me, and that is this. Is there any commonality to some, have you heard people talk about regrets when they're kind of in their last, last moments? Rarely, because, and I think it has something to do with the decision-making process to choose hospice over pursuing treatment. You know, I mean, sometimes you're like, well, if I'd have known about this earlier, if I'd have done this, maybe this could have happened. I said, yeah, it could have, but would it change the outcome? Would you have lived longer? Mm-hmm. I said, we we talked all about all this before we ever got into this. I said, what about regrets just in, in life in general? I think I've, I have heard patients, you know, like if they had a, a family member that they were estranged from. Um, but no, they don't talk about like, well, I could have made an extra. I could have made so much money on this dealer. Those things, they really do. They go away. They don't even look at that anymore. 
It's more about the relationships. It's about relationships, mm-hmm. not just with with their families, but with friends, with past acquaintances, and most often with God, because they realize that it's coming right down to reckoning time, and there's no, it's not the time to have a debate. It's you know, it's now or literally never. Right. Wow. Well, what's a, what? What's something that you think you have taken away? You know, give me one or two lessons you think you've really learned over these years. Um, when it comes to your own faith and your own understanding of your own life, that uh, you know, we we take so much for granted. You know, we we take. You know, I often joke. You know, well, how are you today? Well, I woke up on the right side of the dirt. You know, but honestly, that's, uh, yeah, it's it's a little cynical, but that's the reality. You know, it, it, it's, we don't, we, we take for granted the fact that we can feed ourselves. We take for granted that we can dress ourselves. We take for granted that we can drive cars, that we can pay bills, that we can hold jobs, and uh, that we can, we take for granted that we can speak, breathe, all those things we mm-hmm. we don't consider Mm. It's literally just a, just the smallest departure. I mean, we're literally living in a house of cards by the grace of God every day. Mm. You know, I figure if I wake up, God's still in control. And if I don't, he's still in control. It's all the same. So he's, he's turned you into a grateful person. Yeah, I, I, I find that I appreciate mm. smaller things. You know, I don't, uh, you know, if somebody's kind to you, be grateful if... If you see somebody's got a beautiful garden and they're out in it, tell them so, because you that may be why you're there. It's just like that gal I say from going over Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. You know that was that was an experience that led me to realize that you know you're never anywhere by an accident. Mm-hmm. You know you may not know what your purpose is. You may be there because of your job or your education, or you just happen to be there for whatever reason. Um, that's never a fluke. That's always, you may not have put yourself there. You may not have sought out that opportunity, but there it was. Well, thanks. One last question, which is this, giving you the floor a little bit, preaching to the audience here a little bit as to, if you could just sum up, just what's what's one of the number one, number two thing, you know, one or two things that we really need to be about in the way we treat other people and what's going to last, you know what I mean? We never know whenever the last thing we say to them is the last thing they hear from us. Mm. Mm. Um, because so, so treat every word like that or every time you talk. Yeah, you just have to try and keep that in mind. You know, we all have frustrations. You know, it, it's just like uh, you can go to a doctor's office and look around. And everybody's got health problems. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, if you knew what they were, you'd just be staggered at the magnitude. Like, thank you, God, I don't. You know, I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and thank God it's my face I'm looking at because mm-hmm. I couldn't deal with, I have enough trouble with my own issues. I don't want to deal with somebody else's problems. <laughs> right. You know, and, and uh, we don't know what they're going through. So, yeah, people joke and carry on, but um, the important the thing is, is, is that, the tongue is a very Oh, it is. It's important a, it thing. It can be a weapon for <laughs> yeah. sure. But, um, but absolutely the most important thing is to remember that we're all creations of God, no matter if we look ugly to each other or, or mean, um, you know, uh, just like it says in Isaiah, we were formed in his womb, mm. formed in the womb. He knew what we were going to look like before we ever 
mm-hmm. through that first breath. And uh, so people being, I mean, the fact that we understand and know in our belief that everyone is created in the image of God. Absolutely. That should garner our respect and our the right words and well it should we should you know like jesus said we should love others as we love ourselves Mm. and you know yeah you might go through your life hating yourself but realistically you what is it you want for yourself you want people to be kind to you you want them to give you a break you want them to listen and and hear your whole story out before they before they make a decision and and it may still not go the way you think it should but you need to remember that you know it God's still in control, and you just you just have to aim to get yourself where He is, where you can hear His voice. That's awesome. Hey, thanks, Marion. I appreciate you uh, popping in here and talking about this. You know, it's a tough subject, but at the same time, it's like we're really the reason we're even talking about this subject. It really uh, it's all for the living. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, for us to go out and live like Jesus wants us to live. Absolutely. To be cognizant of death, the fact that's coming, the fact that's reality, but to understand that Jesus has defeated death. Right. And that this life is just the it's beginning. Just a, just a temporary shell. I mean, after someone's passed, it, 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 you know, when you see him dead and, and you just, it just strikes you as that is such, it, it is, it's a husk. There's, mm. There's, there's, mm. they're gone, you know, the they that was them, even though they may not have interacted or anything for weeks, months, um, you realize that that person is not there anymore. You're mm. just looking at a shell mm. and, um, you know, you, you, I, I still, you know, when I do a death call, I'm still respectful and, 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 and you know, I usually speak to them like in the third person, just you know, out of respect to the family, because sure they're they've got to go through their own closure process, and you don't know where they're at. Sure, um, but to be able to speak, but fortunately with hospice, it's yeah. not as dramatic as like a traumatic death, because I've worked in ER when that happened, and right hearing people screaming, that's oh my, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's uh, it's nothing that we love talking about, that's for sure. But like I said. As believers and as a believer yourself, it's the only reason why you can probably get through the days. Well, that's just it. If <laughs> you your, know, if, you're going I, I just, I really do. I feel like I'm privileged. You well, know. thank you, Marion. Hey, thanks for tuning in to New Hope Underground. What a great episode, huh? Yes, that's exactly right. We're going to be back again in a couple of weeks with another great interview. So stay tuned. So hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends New Hope Underground.